What happens when two opinionated suburban dads from corporate America decide to spend the little time that they have re-watching movies and TV shows to see if they stand the test of time? Of course, they create a podcast to discuss it. Along with some interesting takes, hosts Robbie and co-host Max ask each other that classic question out loud. It was good back then, but does it still hold up? We're re-watching classic movies of the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. Major franchises, cinematic universes, binge-worthy TV series, and everything we love. Come, and let's break down some of our favorite movies, TV shows, and much more on Still Holds Up. An eight-year-old troublemaker must protect his home from a pair of burglars when he's accidentally left home alone by his family during Christmas vacation. This is the film that made every kid want to fight crime with booby traps and BB guns. On this episode of Still Holds Up, we're talking about Home Alone. Let's get into it. I took a shower washing every body part with actual soap, including all my major crevices, including in between my toes and in my belly button, which I never did before but sort of enjoyed. I washed my hair with the Don't Formula shampoo and used cream rinse for that just wash shine. I can't seem to find my toothbrush, so I'll pick one up when I go out today. Other than that, I'm in good shape. What are we talking about? Dude, we're talking about Home Alone. So this movie is directed by Chris Columbus. It's written by John Hughes, produced by John Hughes, starring Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, Catherine O'Hara. Um, you got some John Candy peppered in there. Let's see, it came out on November 10th, 1990 uh, in Chicago. Then it had the United States release on the 16th of November. The budget was $18 million and a box office gross was $476.7 million. Talk about being profitable. That that just it's just ridiculous to me to just think about that. Eighteen million, and they made almost a half a billion dollars. Yeah, I mean that means everybody went to go see this thing from here to globally. I mean that's that's a ridiculous number, and that's back when movies weren't fifteen dollars a pop. It has to be the most profitable Christmas movie of all time. It yeah. just has to be, especially in the box office. Uh, when it came out, Roger Ebert gave it a two and a half stars out of four. Gave it two thumbs down. He said the elaborate booby traps are the kind of traps that any eight-year-old could devise if he had a budget of tens of thousands of dollars and the assistance of a crew of movie special effects people. See, I, I mean, come on, like being in, in context, first of all, like you can't rate this with like Godfather, right? You got to rate it for what it is. It's a fun right. kids, family, humorous movie, right? And of course, it's devised by an eight-year-old. Macaulay Culkin plays an eight-year-old. And the, the family did have money. I mean, they're well off. Yeah. But some movies, you got to suspend reality to yeah. enjoy it, right? And that's, and that's hard for me a lot of the times. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I just feel like this is a ridiculous yeah. review. Yeah, just I really do. go that's, with it. That's the part that bothered you to make you give it two thumbs down is yeah. because of the booby traps that he set up. I didn't go into the into the depth of his review. I just kind of like you know, yeah. skimmed it. But this is the part that sticked out the most. And it's a shame. I would have loved to maybe have had a conversation with him five years later yeah, and say, hey, he do you think your review still holds up? Yeah. 
And obviously, people didn't care or pay attention because usually these reviews are before the movie actually comes out. Yeah. And they still did half a billion dollars yeah. in the box office, even with this negative review. Yeah. Like, sometimes I question, like, do people, like, I know me personally, whenever I see a review of a movie, I don't really, you know, hold them up to, to whether I'm going to go see the movie. I have, like, a specific group of friends. If they see it and I know their opinion holds more weight. Right. You know, I'm like, oh, did you like it? And they're right. like, ah, uh, now nah, you can wait for it to come on streaming. I'm like, okay, I'm good. Uh, Entertainment Weekly magazine gave the film a D, criticizing the film for a sadistic festival of adult bashing. Oh, uh, well, the adult bashing, I, I get. But again, if one, it, like Siskel and Ebert were like the big review guys, right? Now, uh, you're going to go on your limb career-wise to kind of go against one of their reviews. So I think sometimes it's like that mob herd mentality when it comes to reviews. If if one big guy says it's horrible, everybody follows suits. No one really goes against it. I think uh, uh, most people mail in it in their jobs. Why yeah. would this be different? <laughs> There's enough in this movie for adults to to enjoy it. There's a lot of heartfelt scenes. Yeah. and A lot, how, a lot of character in it. It makes you warm and feel great at the end that music is going and you know it's there's there's no need to bash an eight-year-old home yeah. alone movie i mean it's not <laughs> let's jump into some fun facts okay let's i want to talk about the big one all right warner brothers was initially supposed to do the movie and i saw a documentary on netflix called the the movies that made us one of the episodes was they talked about home alone john hughes said he could do the movie for 10 million dollars came back and said i need some more money Warner Brothers said, that's not going to happen. We're not going to give you any more money. John Hughes decided to go talk to people over at Fox, let them know, hey, this is the situation. If Warner Brothers pulls out, backup plan. can you come in and take the movie? And so he sells them on the idea. It's funny because there's a scene where somebody from Warner Brothers goes to the, the, the school where they're filming this at. The McAllister house is actually built in a gymnasium. But anyway, so they're, the Warner Brothers exec is walking through telling everybody, hey, Cut production, stop your work, uh, the movie's done, we're not making it anymore. And then while he's walking, somebody from Fox is walking behind him saying, no, 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 I'm taking, wow. we're taking over the movie, don't worry about it. So he would go into one room, tell everybody that they're fired, and then, he, <laughs> then, that same, then the person would follow him and say, no, 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 you're, hired. you're still hired, you're still working here. And man, bummer on Warner Brothers, but Fox was smart, Fox... Made a made a killing on this as far as money wise, and I guarantee you, it, it must have cost a couple people their jobs over at at Warner Brothers. Oh, for sure, this is a classic penny wise, dollar foolish, right? Right. Because I think John Hughes wanted an extra one point two million from Warner Brothers, mm -hmm. and they basically turned down one million dollars and lost out on basically about four hundred and fifty million dollars in profit. Right. Uh, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of fires right there. For sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's, uh, let's move into casting here. So Hughes suggested that Columbus take Macaulay Culkin to play Kevin. Hughes felt that he did such a good job at Uncle Buck that Macaulay Culkin would be perfect to play the lead role for Kevin. Columbus wanted to do his own search. He asked John Mulaney to audition after he saw him in a sketch comedy group for kids. He liked him, but overall, he decided to give Macaulay Culkin a tryout. And then once he saw Macaulay Culkin, he agreed with Hughes. All right, so here's another one. After Robert De Niro and John Lovitz turned down the role of Harry, Joe Pesci accepted it. And it's funny how Joe Pesci was third choice. That's crazy. I can see John Lovitz. Yeah? Yeah, I can see John Lovitz. I don't know. Sometimes when actor nails a role, it's hard for me to envision anybody else doing it. Right. You know, so I love Robert De Niro, but I, yeah, it's Joe Pesci's role. 
Here's a good one. Daniel Stern, he was cast as Marv, but before shooting started, he was told the production schedule had been extended for six weeks. Uh, so he dropped out after he wasn't going to get paid more. Oh, wow. So they ended up going with uh, Daniel Robeck. I don't know. So, uh, so they went with Daniel Robeck. So then after two weeks, uh, they decided really the chemistry wasn't really working out with Pesci. Oh, so wow. they went back to Daniel Stern and said, hey, here's your extra money. Come be a part of the movie. Uh, it's a completely go. different movie without him. Dan- I mean, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci, they're so good in this movie. They're the great duo of doofus villains. <laughs> the role of Uncle Frank was written for Kelsey Grammer, but was given to Gary Bamman. Grammer was unavailable. Yeah, he would have been a good jerk uncle, too. Oh, yeah. All right, so here's another one. Chris Farley auditioned for the role of Santa Claus impersonator, uh, but he failed to impress Columbus, uh, which is interesting because it's, you know... Because Chris, 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 awesome. Chris, Chris Farley is awesome. But they, uh, so they went with Ken Hudson Campbell... I just, want yeah. to, I just want to call him Ken Campbell, Ken but Campbell. It's, Ken, it's Ken Hudson Campbell. Yeah, what, he's not an assassin. Don't you only put three names for an assassin? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but he was great. I thought he did a great job as the yeah, uh, yeah. impersonator. And I actually, I picked one of those clips with him in it, so nice. we'll be able to listen to him. Let's see. Uh, John Candy was only available for one day to film his scene, and the scene took 23 hours to shoot. He was only paid $414. What? Since he did the film as a favor for Hughes. In return, he was the only actor Hughes allowed to go off script. According to Columbus, all his dialogue was improvised. Wow. 23 hours for four, that oh man, he's grossly underpaid. <laughs> Think so? 400 bucks. Oh my goodness. The last one I got for this, um, the film within the film. So Angels with Filthy Souls. So that's the video that Kevin always puts in and he watches uh, the black and white. To shoot the film only took one day. It was obviously filmed in black and white negative film. And it was filmed from a low perspective. So yeah. that way to kind of give that childlike look or childlike okay. feel. Like, yeah. like a kid's like looking up. Looking up at it. And I never noticed that until I read this. Oh, that's pretty good. I like when shows and movies do like fake movies within right. their their universe. Right. Seinfeld was great for this. I mean, yeah. Seinfeld has a list of, you know, prognosis prognosis negative and right. channel. They have all these great movies that they kind of play but they're not real right but they're real in that show's universe yeah great all right let's talk about the music really fast director chris columbus originally had bruce broughton uh he was billed to score the film and early posters that came out to to market the movie had him billed as the composer uh however he was busy he couldn't make it um he was doing uh the rescuers down under i love that movie yeah yeah the cartoon you don't remember that movie when, when I was a kid, I loved the movie. I, I I don't know if it still holds up, but I love that. They go to Australia, the the, the oh, little yeah. mice. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I was that thinking was of like movie. Chippendale Rescue Rangers. No, 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 no. What? <laughs> they did a movie? Uh, <laughs> they <anyway>. did. <laughs> they made a uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers? Well, I know they did the now. The new one. The new yeah, one. No, it I'm was talking awesome. About, I'm talking about back in the 90s. <laughs> oh, the new one was awesome. <laughs> All right. So he couldn't do it. He had to bail at the last minute. So Columbus yeah. talked to Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg got him in contact with John Williams. And then John Williams ended up producing the final score for the movie. A lot of the music in the movie is traditional music, you know, Oh Holy Night or a Carol of the Bells. Mm-hmm. Um, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. Yeah, yeah. They're featured mainly throughout the film. Uh, but everywhere else, it's all John Williams. And and the last song in the, that peppered out throughout the movie is phenomenal. What is that called? You're talking about the song Somewhere in My Memory. No, that song is awesome, though. Yeah. I mean, as yeah. soon as you hear it, it's like it gets you. It makes you want to tear up. All right, let's jump into the trailer. Let's listen to the trailer, and then let's uh, let's see if it still holds up. Where are you going? We're going to miss the plane! 
when the McAllister family left on their Christmas vacation. Did we miss the flight? <laughs> no, you just made it. Yeah! They forgot one small thing. Have yourself. I've a terrible feeling. Christmas. Did you lock up? Yeah. Do we set the timers on the lights? Mm-hmm. What else could we be forgetting? Kevin! Ah! Home alone. Police in the northern suburbs are on the lookout for a pair of burglars who are calling themselves the Wet Bandits. We know that you're in there. It's Santa Claus. And it's Elf. Get off my property. This is my house. I have to defend it. Where's your mother? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. He's a kid. I mean, what can a kid do to us? Kids are stupid. I know I was. You still are, Mark. This is it. Ow! I don't care if I have to get out on your runway and hitchhike. I am going to get home to my son. Take your shoes off. Why do you dress like a chicken? Gus Polinski, polka king of the Midwest. If you have to get to Chicago, we'll gladly drive you. Hey, guys. Yesterday, he was just a kid. Ah! But tonight, ah! he's a home security system. You guys give up? Oh, yeah, thirsty for more. Ah! From John Hughes. You know, I got a feeling this is going to be your best Christmas ever. A family comedy without the family. Ah! Home alone. Are you here all alone? I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. All right. Solid trailer. Yeah. Nice and long, but it's the original. Um, and that's what we like to, to play here. So I love any trailer with Don LaFontaine in there. You know, he gives you like that action movie right. voice. Right. One kid, home, left alone. You, yeah. know, to, you know, all that good stuff. It's awesome. Oh, yeah. I think it's a great trailer. I think the way it starts off is you just think it's just a typical Christmas movie. Yeah. And then the wheels come off and <laughs> crazy things happen. Yeah. You see all the, uh, the him trying to maim, you know, Joe Pesci. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. The trailer held up for the movie because when you see this trailer, you get excited. It, the trailer doesn't point you into a direction that the movie's not going to go. There is a scene in this in the trailer that's not actually in the movie. Well, it, the scene's in the movie, but the actor's not. So Kevin's getting asked the questions while he's at the grocery store. Yeah. It's the manager asking him the questions. But in the movie, the manager's not asking the questions. It's the it's the clerk who's asking the questions. Yeah, the, the woman. The woman is. So you that, what? that guy's cut. So he's in the trailer, that. but he's not in the actual movie. I thought it was some Mandela effect that was going on in, in that. No, no. <laughs> okay. But anyways, yeah. Because so, I do remember the woman, but in the trailer, it's like the guy. I'm yeah, like, it's, the, I... it's the exact same questions. Are you sure? I'm absolutely I... positive. No, I picked it as one of my scenes. We're going to, okay. we'll watch it. Because I remember the clerk. Not the clerk. I remember the manager and the clerk, the two of them. Yeah. From the trailer. Yeah. You sure it's not like that movie? I'm sure. Unless I'm watching, unless I watched an edited version that took him out wow. for some odd reason. Yeah. Then he's not in the movie. Uh, that is so nuts. Well, I'm remembering it's it. What, it's one way. of my picks. We'll yeah. go over it in a second. Cool. So yeah, I think the trailer holds up. It shows you a kid having a good time while protecting his home from burglars. Does a great job. 
Some would argue it's one of the most profitable trailers because it got half a billion dollars in the box office. I'm not going to let that go. I mean, that that that's a lot of money for an $18 million movie. Yeah, yeah. No, you shouldn't let that go. Definitely. Keep pointing that out throughout the entire podcast. I'm sure everyone who's uh, listening is going to love it. All right, let's, let's go over our scenes. So the first scene I picked, this is the scene where you get the understanding of who Kevin is. And it's interesting because watching this scene, now being older... Kevin's a little punk. Oh, yeah. And I don't realize that when I'm a kid. I think he's, you know, there. I mean, there's some things that actually happen where it's kind of like, oh, that sucks for him. But the way he handles it, yeah, it's not the right move. And the way he talks to his mom in this scene, the really, the attic, right? it, it pisses yeah. me off because in my house, that happens. I wouldn't say that happens all the time, but when my kid talks to my wife that way, yeah. I kind of sometimes feel like I got to come in and go, hey, what are you doing? Even though my wife doesn't want me to do that. But- Seeing this, it just upsets me, yeah. and it's because I'm older now. Yeah, and the mom, the the look the mom has on her face, it's like it almost breaks your heart. She doesn't even have that look yet because at the beginning of the scene, he calls her a dummy, and she just like blows it off. It's not. Oh, it doesn't I, even I, I meant after the when she says the whole line about um, we'll hear it, you know, yeah. let's don't let's, wish for it. Yeah, kind of let, she has that look like oh man, yeah, heartbreaking. Let's listen. Get upstairs. I am upstairs, dummy. Third floor. Go. It's scary up there. Don't be silly. Fuller will be up in a little while. I don't want a super Fuller. You know about him. He wets the bed. He'll pee all over me. I know it. Fine. We'll put him somewhere else. I'm sorry. It's too late. Get upstairs. Everyone in this family hates me. Then maybe you should ask Santa for a new family. I don't want a new family. I don't want any family. Families suck. Just stay up there. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the night. I don't want to see you again for the rest of my whole life. And I don't want to see anybody else either. I hope you don't mean that. You'd feel pretty sad if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a family. No, I wouldn't. Then say it again. Maybe it'll happen. I hope I never see any jerks again. The dummy, I know in my household, that would be the first and last time the rest of that conversation doesn't even happen in my house. As soon as, <laughs> yeah. as, soon as you oh, call yeah. us a dummy. Yeah, it's over. Yeah. It's, it's lights out. Yeah. <laughs> Not lights out in that sense, but you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I get what you mean. Catherine O'Hara, she does a great job in this movie. When like She's not in the movie, obviously, as much as Kevin and everything else that happens yeah. in the house. But when she's in the movie, she's fantastic. And that scene right there, she's got these glazy, like these eyes. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I don't think she about. blinks. Yeah. She's kind of like, oh, yeah? Yeah. You don't mean that. That look is just like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, wow. Yeah. And... You can see why uh, Hughes wanted Macaulay Culkin in this movie. I'm trying to think of even kids in movies today that are as good as Macaulay Culkin is in this movie. I, I would say in terms of that edge, I would go Terminator to one of my favorite movies. No, 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 no. no. Hold on, hold on. Furlong, uh, being rude. That's the only thing that would come close as a rude kid I'm not, in that I, era. Yeah, I'm not talking about the rudeness part. I'm talking about how you just believe that this kid oh, okay, is, okay, okay. is this can be this rude, but then can yeah. also be this scared, can also be this, you know, oh, yeah. I guess, sh- strong in the end of the movie. And Macaulay Culkin does such a great job throughout. Yeah. And this scene right here, it's just a really good scene yeah, by, you still both, see by him both as, of them. Yeah, you still see him as a kid who obviously can't handle his emotions and— and talks as badly as some of the adults and his older brother in the house because right. his uncle just a few minutes earlier called him a jerk. Yeah, he did. So of course he's going to go back and use the word jerk because obviously it's something that that family uses often. Yeah. And his his brother was using it. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the next scene. 
I like this scene. It's when the pizza delivery boy love this goes to the goes to the back door, and drops yeah. off the pizza. Yeah, and Kevin decides to play angels with filthy souls and scare the crap out of the pizza guy. All right, let's uh, let's listen. Who is it? It's Little Nero, sir. I have your pizza. Leave it on that doorstep and get the hell out of here. Okay. Um, but what about the money? What money? Well, you have to pay for your pizza, sir. That effect. How much do I owe you? Uh, that'll be eleven eighty, sir. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Cheapskate. Hey, I'm gonna give you to the count of ten to get your ugly, yellow, no good keister off my property before I pump your guts full of lead. One, two, ten. Such a good scene. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I'm curious of how many kids actually tried to do this oh, I'm sure. after they saw the movie. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people try, tried that. I, I, it probably would work even better now today, you know, with the technology that we have. Yeah, could probably. really make it work. Probably. I thought it was great. It's it. Kevin's still in the middle of, you know, being left alone by himself. Enjoying he's, it. He's enjoying it, loving life, going through his brother's bedroom, finding the money, buying the pizza. Because Buzz is the reason why he didn't get the cheese pizza in the beginning of yeah. the movie. Yeah. Remember, he ate the last of the pizza. Started the whole fight. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. and how about this pizza delivery guy? The beginning of the movie, he's delivering like a dozen pizzas, yeah. And the mother just gives him like a wad of twenties, like obviously a ridiculous amount of tip, right? And he's like, "Oh, thanks for the tip." And now he's complaining that you know, you know, he's delivering one cheese pizza, and right. obviously the tip wasn't enough for him. So he he deserves to stumble around a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the family just gave you a ton of money just a couple of nights ago. I forgot about that. What, what do you need? Like every time you need twenty, thirty dollar tip. Come on, I mean, guy. if you're a delivery person, yeah, you want that every single time. Uh, we're going to talk about this guy. I got more to say about this pizza delivery guy. All right. Cool. Let's, let's talk about the next scene. So this next scene, this is the second time Kevin goes shopping by himself. So the first time he went, it wasn't a great outing. He got scared because he saw the neighbor, which we'll talk about him in a little bit. He ends up stealing, stealing a toothbrush. Yeah. He thinks he's a criminal. So, <laughs> But now the second time he's going shopping, he's hit a maturity level where he's cutting coupons. He's acting like he's an adult. He, he grew puts, up overnight. Yeah, it's like he grew up overnight. And the conversation he has with the clerk, he's acting like an adult, but then when she starts to question him, he reverts back to cute innocence. Yeah. And it works really good for him. I think it's a great scene. Let's listen. Are those microwave dinners any good? I don't know. I'll give him a whirl. For the kids. Hold on, I got a coupon for that. It was in the paper this morning. There is no man. 1983. Well, this okay. is the question right here. Are you here all by yourself? Ma'am, I'm eight years old. You think I'd be here alone? I don't think so. Where's your mom? My mom's in the car. Where's your father? He's at work. What about your brothers and your sisters? I'm an only child. Where do you live? Uh, I can't tell you that. Why not? Because you're a stranger. See? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Now, now I'm re-remembering this. Right? The manager's just gone. 
So yeah. they obviously did multiple takes thinking, well, should we have an, a, a male figure asking him questions or a young female figure? Or why, why would the manager come over anyway? Well, because he sees a kid shopping by himself. You know? I don't think that was a regular thing in the 90s. I don't think it's a regular thing now. Well, my kid my kid will no, ride a skateboard well, to the grocery store and he'll get, to, get a couple I'm things. I'm from New York. We, I mean, I've been, I've been going to stores since I was a little kid. I mean, yeah. I used to walk blocks to go buy chips and... and, and Quarter juice boxes and stuff, so well, I mean, it's totally okay for a kid to go shopping where I'm from. Well, at, <laughs> at Kevin's age, I was actually going to the liquor store next yeah, door, and I was actually getting my dad cigarettes. <laughs> I'm not even joking. You see? Yeah, my dad knew the, knew the owner, but I would go there and get cigarettes yeah. and whatever else that I needed for him, so... Yeah. I guess not uncommon for us, but I, I feel like... Remember, this is the 90s. You could Kids could, like, you know, walk a couple of blocks to go to a park on their own, you know, nowadays, you know, you don't let your kid play outside the front lawn without yeah. uh, without some kind of a GPS on yeah. their phone or something. <laughs> okay, let's talk about the next scene. John Candy finally makes an appearance in the movie. Fabulous as always. So he has a conversation with Kate Catherine O'Hara, plays Kevin's mom. So she's stuck at the airport because bad weather. Plane had to land for safety reasons. Whatever. So they have a layaway, and so John Candy overhears Kate having a conversation with the airline clerk and decides to step in and kind of offer his services. And I, I just love it because like, if you ever seen planes, trains, and automobiles, it's kind of what happens to his character where he's just trying to get home, can't fly the plane, so he's got to drive, you got to go on a bus, can't take the bus, got to rent a car, got, and then he finally get on a train. So in this, it's almost like, oh, I just did this whole thing with planes, trains, and automobiles. Let me come over here and then I'm going to rent a van and then offer you a ride to get to your destination. You want to hear the crazy thing? You've never seen Planes, Trains, and I think I've mentioned this. That's yeah. not the crazy thing that I've never seen it. What? The first time I even heard about this movie was when you ref when you were talking to about it on one of our, you know, behind the scenes, you know, meetings. I never even heard of the movie, to be honest with you. That makes me question <laughs> your parent, your uh, how you were raised. I just want to say that I, I never heard of the movie. Obviously, never saw it. It wasn't even in my universe until about a couple of weeks ago. Anyways. It's a great scene between them. Uh, he's kind of pitching his band and stuff, the, the Kenosha Kickers. Yep. All right, let, let's just listen. Allow me to introduce myself. Gus Polinski. How are you? Polka King of the Midwest. The, the Kenosha Kickers. Hi there. Uh, yeah. No? That's okay. I thought you might have recognized. Anyways, um, I had a few hits a few years ago. Uh, that's why I, you know, just polka, 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 polka. No? It, Twin Lakes polka, Damavuji polka, a.k.a. Kiss Me polka, polka twist. Well, these are songs. Yeah. Yeah, we, some fairly big hits for us, you know, in the early 70s, you know. <laughs> yeah, we sold about 623 copies of that. In Chicago? No, Sheboygan. Very big in Sheboygan. They loved it, you know. I'm sorry, did you say you could help me? A anyway, I'm, I'm rambling on here. Our flight was canceled, so we gotta drive. So, uh, see the guy in the yellow jacket over there by the budget sign? He's gonna rent us a nice big uh, van, and we're gonna drive to Milwaukee. Now, I heard you had some problems. You're uh, getting to Chicago to see your kid or something? Uh, my son. John Candy is the ultimate <laughs> legend. <laughs> and the fact that he did this all in one day, right? Filmed the whole thing in one day. Yeah, he filmed it all in one day. And then, not let's not forget about the hot take or the trivia that we just did earlier that he was the only one who was allowed to go off script. Yeah. And then Columbus said that most of his lines was Everything all improv. There. So 
600 copies like the, i just love the fact that he's tr- he, he's presenting himself as if like he's like a big time celebrity and you're supposed to know me i mean i'm like the polka king he's naming off rattling off these songs obviously right. that he just came up off the top of his head right right and 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 she has like no f- clue and he just keeps going well, on with the, it the sales were in sheboygan <laughs> yeah it's it's, it, it's, it's, a, good. it's a great character. So if but, Catherine O'Hara, she has to feed off of his improv. She yeah. does a fabulous job. I mean, obviously that might not have been the first take, but just imagine the first take, and she's oh, yeah. probably got to you know keep a straight face during that entire scene because it's a, it's a ridiculous scene. Oh, uh, that that that's it's great. But, but he, it, he's he's phenomenal. Yeah, but it's very good. You know, so that scene just shows the mom's doing whatever she can to get home. She's even you know yelling at. Airplane clerks, and she's talking to strangers. She's going to get on a bus with a polka band. All right, so it's now getting closer to the final showdown between, you know, obviously Kevin and uh, uh, Harry and Marv. Kevin's feeling a little, he misses his family now. Now he's gone through the transition of being scared, being by himself, to loving life, to then growing up, to now he's like, I miss my parents, I miss my family, I want them back. So he decides to go have a conversation with Santa Claus, basically ask Santa for help. Yeah. Right? So let's listen. Santa, hold on. Can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, if you make it quick, Santa's got a little get-together he's late for. Okay. I know you're not the real Santa Claus. What makes you say that? Just out of curiosity. I'm old enough to know how it works. All right. But I also know that you work for him. I'd like you to give him a message. Shoot. I'm Kevin McAllister, 671 Lincoln Boulevard. Do you need the phone number? No, that's all right. Okay, this is extremely important. Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. No toys, nothing but Peter, Kate, Buzz, Megan, Linny, and Jeff, and my aunt and my cousins. And if he has time, my Uncle Frank, okay? Okay. See what I can do. Thanks. I I, lo- I love that scene. I know I keep saying that because we always pick the scenes that we love, yeah. but I love that scene. I also think that Ken Hudson Campbell did a fabulous job. It would have been great to see what Chris Farley would have done there. Yeah. But not one time when I saw this movie did I ever think someone else could have done a better Santa. He does a great job. Just kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. Right. I got to get, gotta get going. I got to <laughs> get, get together. I got to get to. <laughs> no, it, it's and it's definitely that arc all Christmas movies we talked about it with Elf right you know that reconciliation he's starting to get over that hump yeah. where he does realize even the jerk uncle he, you know he misses his family and who, who better than to provide and and this is big for a kid, an 8 year old to say like I'm gonna sacrifice I don't want toys right. I don't want anything I, I just want my family back it's a big step yeah. growing up yeah and this scene is it, this scene kind of sets up the next scene that we're gonna talk about because yeah. Now Kevin has, he's found himself in church um, and now the neighbor, now him and the neighbor finally get to talk. And so Kevin's been scared of the neighbor, uh, what's his name, Mr. Marley, yeah. the, the entire movie because Buzz tells him a story in the beginning of the movie and this is a they neighbor. He killed his family. He killed his family. With a shovel. Right. And so you think, you think, you think maybe <laughs> if he didn't have this reputation of killing his family that maybe... Uh, Kate, Kevin's mom, might have his number in her Rolodex and would call him. <laughs> exactly. And he could go over and kind the of neighbor, save the neighbor, right? Because he's walking around, yeah. shoving, you know, throwing out salt, making sure people yep. don't slip, shoveling snow. 
Like, by the way, my so, eight-year-old's at home yeah. by himself. So clearly he's around. So anyway, so Kevin gets to have this conversation with him finally and realize that he's not a bad guy, but then also gets to give him some advice on kind of maybe a little bit what Kevin's going through. Kind of yeah. like it, it, it kind of mirrors the conversation that he had with his mom on the staircase going up in the beginning of the movie and the staircase going up to the attic, how he hates his family. Oh, you're going to regret it if you don't have a family, blah, 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 whatever. So now it's almost like he can see himself in the future. This is, the, this is my take on it. I don't know if you ever saw it like this, where, yeah, if you treat your family like this, you're not going to have a family to kind of be yeah. with. And so you're going to be a miserable dude walking around, you know, shoveling snow and dropping salt and yeah. people making rumors about you. I don't know. He was the guardian angel that Kevin needed. Definitely. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a listen. Oh, yeah, yeah. No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid? You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid. That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there, and it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years. Yeah, basements are like that. Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is, you should call your son. What if he won't talk to me? At least you'll know. Then you can stop worrying about it. And he won't have to be afraid anymore. I don't care how mad I was, I talked to my dad. Especially around the holidays. I don't know. Just give it a shot. For your granddaughter anyway. I'm sure she misses you. And the presents. That's good. You know what, I want to amend what I said before. They're they're both the guardian angel they both needed. I mean, they yeah. obviously uh during the holidays, family is what's most important, right? Right. And, and Kevin needed to help him understand that and and because Ke- Kevin just went through it and now he understands how yeah. important his family is. Yeah. So they, the two characters definitely needed each other. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, great it, scene. It's it's definitely a great scene. And then uh Robert's Blossom. Yeah, he's the one who played Mr. Yeah. Marley. Great job. There's more to that scene that we don't listen to. He, yeah. te- he tells Kevin that he got in a fight with his son, so yeah. they don't talk anymore. And his son had a kid, his granddaughter. The only reason why he's actually in church right there is to, so he can see his daughter singing in the choir. Yeah. That all leads up to the scene we just listened to. I think it's a, it's a powerful scene. It shows the growth that Kevin's gone through throughout yeah. the entire movie. Yeah. That he's giving profound advice, you know, at eight years old to somebody, obviously a senior. Right. So. God, two thumbs down. I, I don't, I don't know get it. I don't yeah. get it. It's uh, such it's such a good movie. All right. Um, I think this is the last scene we're going to talk about. This one's your scene. What do you got? So after this ridiculous adult play date, whatever babysitting you want to call it, that's going on with Kevin and 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 the the the, the wet bandits. Oh yeah. Right. That should have ended in like thirty seconds or not ended at all yeah. or start at all. Um, they finally catch him. You know, by right. actually using their brains for the first time. Right. And and it's a great scene because they, he basically, they're basically threatening him to do everything that he did to them, to yeah. him. And, and yeah. obviously, the old man comes and saves the day. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's listen. Hiya, pal. We outsmarted you this time. Get over here. <laughs> what are we going to do to him, Harry? Do exactly what he did to us. I'm gonna burn his head with a blowtorch. And smash his face with an iron. I can slap him right in the face with a paint can, maybe. Or shove a nail through his foot. First thing I'm gonna do 
bite off every one of these little fingers one at a time. <laughs> you think he would have done it? I know. It's like he's about to. Right. And Mr. <laughs> Mr. Marley comes and saves the day finally with the shovel. Yeah. Good thing you had that conversation with him in church. Yeah. My, my whole thing is they spent all this time getting destroyed by this eight-year-old, and all they had to do was just like, you know, double back around. <laughs> right. At any point, they could have... Actually, my biggest problem is, I mean, we'll talk about it, you know, more in my takes, is like, why didn't they just rob the place when he went to sleep? He's a kid. He's going to fall asleep probably like 10, 11 o'clock. I don't know. Maybe they think he should have already been asleep. Maybe they should. Maybe they're also like he's a ten-year-old kid. I don't think they realized what they were getting themselves into. Yeah, I mean, the thought... worst thing that happened to them was who got shot in the, uh, in the groin with a BB gun. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci did. Yeah, yeah. Harry did. Yeah. Yeah. Harry so he did, got yeah. shot. He got shot in the groin with a BB gun. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, and that's really it. No, that's. I mean, and that's. I mean, that's a bad thing. That's a big thing. But you wouldn't think you going know. off of that that you were about to go into a giant booby-trapped war zone yeah. set up by a ten-year-old kid. Yeah, I think I, you mentioned in a, a previous episode how action movies always accelerate the, yeah. the stuff. Yeah. If you look at, I know we're not doing Home Alone 2 right now, but Home Alone 2, the the, the traps get even worse. There was like an electrocution. Yeah. Like they could, Kevin was trying to kill him at that point. All right. Well, let's, well perfect. <laughs> let's, let's, let's go into my favorite part of this podcast, which is talking about all of our hot takes and random stuff yeah. and my most random thing for this movie has got to be the amount of mannequins and life-size yeah. cutouts and all the stuff that Kevin has the around props. the house, the props, to set it up to make it look like there's a party going yeah. on. Now, it, it's, I'm not saying it's not a great scene. I think it's... I think it's and it's, the music's it, it's phenomenal. Fun, yeah, it's a fun scene. Kevin McAllister, you know, Macaulay Culkin's in there dancing along with the it's music. It's a puppeteer. It's a, it's basically, it's a giant puppeteer. Uh, it's a great scene, but still at the same time... Completely random yeah. for sure that they had all that stuff. Me, I don't have like a, a random thought or a random scene or to say, but it's I have these random thoughts when I'm watching these movies. Sometimes. Yeah, me too. Me too. So you know, we talked about spinoffs. You know, you know, in previous meetings, like I would love to see the pizza delivery guy movie spinoff. Oh, we're um, jumping to spinoffs. I, I got mean, a whole section for spinoffs. I know now. we have a whole section spinoff, but that, my random thought was this was the spinoff. Okay. Like just seeing all the crap that he goes through and his horrible driving. And then the, the thing I really want to see is him going back to that McAllister house after getting shot. Right. He, Cause he's going to have to deliver again there or yeah, did yeah, he yeah. quit, you know? So that, that was really my thought. Like it, it would be interesting to see the life and times of this police right. pizza delivery do- driver. Well, think about also like careless. If, if the pizza delivery driver thought he was being shot at police, don't you think he would have called somebody? <laughs> Good point. <laughs> You're gonna be that guy. At least yeah. tell your manager, and your yeah, manager like, might say something. Like, dude, they shot at me. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Um. So okay. So I got three spinoffs that I would like to do for this show. <laughs> I think the brother Buzz. Yeah. He would have a great spinoff show. Like, this would be another one that would go, uh, see, so now Disney owns Fox, so this would be on Disney Plus. Yeah. Ten episodes. It's Buzz in college. <laughs> and it could even be, you could even do it now, where Buzz is the professor, but he's the professor of um, botany? Is that what botany is for yeah. arachnophobia or um, for spiders and no, stuff? No, botany is, isn't that plants? Oh, then what's, I mean, insect, and, uh, yeah. insect, I don't, do, biologist, I don't is know. Is it a biologist? I don't know. That's a good question. Anyways, it became even good where he'd be like a professor at some college. He's obviously like a mean one. All right. My next spinoff would be Marvin Harry. You know, their adventures. They got to raise some money. They got in some trouble with the mob. 
in Chicago. <laughs> so now they got to go on this giant heist thing where it's like almost like uh, gone in 60 seconds. But instead of gone in 60 seconds, like them ro- robbing all these or yeah. stealing all these cars, they got to rob all these houses, kind of like what they're trying to do in Home Alone. Like all, this, all the houses on the street, they're trying to rob them all, but they got to do it in a timely fashion. I love this concept of the spinoff. Yeah. And you want to know what, what I would really love to see in this? What? Who their fence is. Because if you're if you're you're a thief and you're stealing people's yeah. homes, you gotta move the merchandise to get your money. I got your guy. So now I got your guy. What fence is gonna be stupid enough or you know crazy enough to work with Marvin Harry? It has to be an over the top kind of character to be the to be the fence. It's John Lovitz. <laughs> so John Lovitz didn't get it, or he passed on the role for well, Harry. Yeah, so, so they just have him as the fence guy. You the bring fence him guy, in, yeah. and he's the guy they he bring has all to be this over stuff. the top though. Oh. Love it's gonna be over the top. Yeah. I don't think it'll be a problem. <laughs> and then my last spinoff, it's gotta be uh Gus, the Polka King. Polka King. Yeah, I would I would see, follow John Candy and him going on tour in Kenosha uh, Knights. In, in, you call uh, it Kenosha Knights. Kenosha Knights. So he takes the Kenosha <laughs> kickers. Uh, they go to Sheboygan. Sheboygan. And they yeah. play like a they, either on tour, they play like a three night festival. Yeah. And just crazy things happen. Three nights in Sheboygan. <laughs> three nights in Sheboygan. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that one. That one would go into theaters. All the, yeah, they, I would say. I would gold. say that one would definitely go into theaters. Yeah. I would say uh, the Adventures of uh, Buzz and Buzz no, is, no, but Buzz is, is going to Disney Plus. That's Disney Plus, direct. yeah. But Marvin Harry, the pizza those, delivery is a short. Yeah, so Disney they Plus. they got to be a different bandit because the the first movie they're the wet bandits. The second movie they're the sticky bandits. The sticky bandits. So the third movie they got to be called something else. Bandits. Yeah, he'll come up with some. Yeah. Nonsense. All right. Uh, hot takes. So I have. I mean, I have a, a ton, you know. Um, first of all, that heist was more like a babysitting play date. They're having fun with an eight-year-old. Like like you said, no one's really getting extremely hurt. A couple of feathers in your face from a fan. I mean, yeah, come on. Yeah. It's like just more fun than anything. And then my biggest problem is the parents. I mean, they're probably one of the worst neighbors possible because obviously— Nobody, they they can't even contact any neighbor because they obviously don't well, know any neighbors. Well, that, I mean, that was kind of my most randomish thing. It's yeah. not that they can't contact all the neighbors on their street. They're on, on the street. Yeah, on the street or on vacation. Yeah, but it's like they don't have any other friends that don't live on the street. Yeah, what about the community? What like, about like you? One of you has to have a job, a coworker, like, maybe a, a a relative that lives a couple cities away. The it's a like priest, somebody, pastor. I, I know. Uh, I understand you called the cops. The cops showed up. Thought it was a. It was a. It was a prank call. Yeah. You have to know somebody else in this world that's closer to you. Yeah. That's not in Paris. That's at least in the United States that could get there before you do. Exactly. It, that's insane that they don't know anybody else. Yeah. All right. So here's my. I got two hot takes. So my my first hot take is I kind of went over this a little bit. Kevin's more of a punk than Good I time. remember him to be. Yeah. Um, the way he talks, the way he acts in certain situations in the beginning of the movie. Obviously, he kind of rectifies that throughout the movie, but just that was kind of, I didn't realize that when I was a kid. My other thing is. Because you have kids now. Yeah, because I have kids now. My other thing, and I totally disagree with you, uh, Marvin Harry should be dead. <laughs> like they should have died. First of all, they either should have died or said, screw it and left. left. When, so. When the buckets fly down from the banister, yeah, like those are paint buckets. Those are full paint buckets. You ever lift up a paint bucket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so swinging down from the banister hits them in the face, and they fly off. It's not they're at the bottom; they're halfway up the steps. Okay, that's knocking somebody out. That's or a concussion killing to them. me. That's 
I'm giving that a, a that's great brutal. Two, that's a concussion. They should have died in this movie, like really <laughs> fast. So it, I actually think at some point Kevin decides he like either he doesn't know what these booby traps can do, or he is basically saying fuck it, let's just kill yeah, him. I'm trying to end these guys' life. These yeah. Guys. So either way, they should have died, and I would have stuck to that a little bit more in my review. Roger Ebert than the fact that there's no way some kid could have yeah, made all of these things without, without having like some crew. help and $10,000 budget. I mean, I don't know about the $10,000 budget because yeah, he's using stuff that house. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's using stuff that you could find anywhere. like Rope and paint cans. Yeah, the I only mean, thing that might be questionable is did they have any paint cans? When's the last time they painted their house? Everybody has paint cans. I mean, I'm, I, do. I, look, I, have paint I got cans. paint cans in the garage. It's yeah. like, you know. But anything else that's used them in, in those props, I can't think of one thing that wouldn't have been found in a household. Yeah. So. Wrong again. Especially a house that big. Right. All right, let's do rankings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, it's one of my favorite John Hughes movies. I like a lot of his movies. Um, actually, my favorite one is actually Ferris Bueller. I watch that every Labor Day. Oh, I love that. I, I love Every that Labor Day, yeah. first thing I do, I watch... My uh, wife hates it. Why? Uh, She's anyway. weird. But it, it, it's definitely a top 10 holiday movie. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to say it's you know, in my top five, but it's definitely, it's definitely, a t- it's one of those movies you only watch. Well, for me, I only watch it during the holidays and, you know, you suspend, you know, your reasoning and just sit down and enjoy it. So that's, that's, that's why it's yeah. one of my top 10. Yeah. And he goes through, it's a great Christmas movie. Great, great music. Christmas music is phenomenal in there. And, and the ending is, is, is heartwarming and he, he reconciles with the family like every Christmas movie does. It's it's awesome. Yeah. I think uh, I'm pretty pretty close to what you got. It's definitely in my top 10. Whether it even reaches the top five, I don't really know that for sure. Once we go over these other movies, right now it's I know it's definitely in my top 10. We talked about how, you know, obviously I discovered what a jerk Kevin is in like at least in the beginning of the movie. But yet, even though he's like that, it's this movie captures the Christmas spirit extremely well yeah. it's a very likable movie in my opinion it's it's got a lot of charm the music the composition is fantastic yeah i mean i think it's a great movie uh even though with the violence that kevin does and stuff but yeah anyways yeah top 10 holiday movie for sure get into awards i got some awards so my here my award for making the plot happen ah. has to be the neighbor kid mitch murphy the kid next door mitch so murphy. check it out so in the beginning of the movie when the power goes out and they're all rushing to get out of the house. Yeah. The little kid, Mitch Murphy, decides to come over and talk to one of the, the van drivers. Yeah. Picking him up. And he because he's neighbor. in there asking all these questions, bugging him, he gets added into the count of being, you Kevin. know. Kevin. He's Kevin. Being Kevin. So yeah. they have, the count's good, so they get to leave the house. If that kid doesn't show up, they realize they're missing Kevin. They go and they wake Kevin up. They most likely miss their flight because of that. Yeah. And then there's no movie. Yeah. And then they hate Kevin even more. Oh. Kevin never gets the life lesson. He doesn't get to go on his adventure. The The mother doesn't realize, I mean, she always realized how much she loved her kid, but she doesn't get that, you know, that ultimate kid guilt trip. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great reward. That's award. my award. I mean, I don't really have anybody outside of, I don't want to call the parents horrible parents, but like the, it's more, I, I'm going to go with the dad being kind of an aloof. Because so like, he threw the ticket away? <laughs> he's like, he's like, especially in the beginning, he's there, you know, like going with the flow kind of thing. That's what dads do. That's what dads do. I try to go with right? the flow as much as possible, but yeah. 
when your kid doesn't listen to you after the third time and yeah. then all of a sudden you have to yell at them to get their attention <laughs> and then they're like, why are you always yelling at me? Because obviously you didn't hear me the first three times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but his kids, they're just going with the flow with him. It's just really Kevin, I guess. Well, even, even Buzz, when Buzz is around the parents, he acts all polite and stuff, but... Well, I'm, to continue off of uh, my, 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 my awards, I don't, I don't want to say they're horrible parents, but they need to sit down and reassess how they're raising these kids. Because honestly, before this movie, <laughs> Buzz and Kevin are two of the worst kids you will find. Like, I, I, I wouldn't want my kid to hang out with either one of them. Like, they're, 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 they're bad kids, man. Like, they're not doing a good job with those two, I don't, those I mean, two boys. Buzz is questionable. I don't think Kevin's a bad kid. I He's mean, Kevin— fresh. He called his mom a dummy, dude. That is, I mean, that's every—I mean— That's rough. Kid, uh, kids are kids. Kids go through that whole— now we're making this a more of a parenting show, but I feel kids <laughs> kids go through that the stage the stage of trying to be alpha, trying to you know you don't have to tell me what to do kind of thing. Of course, yeah. I mean, my three year old's doing it to me right now. <laughs> right now he's doing it. He always uh, says no, no in a minute. Of course, three years old, and he says yeah. no, no in a minute because I say no, 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 no in a give minute. Give me a minute. All right. So final thoughts. Does the movie still hold up for me? For a holiday movie, you're gonna want to sit down, enjoy it with your kids, for sure. It it still holds up. I mean, it's a different era, time. You know, there's there's plenty of little things, holes we talked about. You know, right. You, most movies a, have that. Most movies have yeah. that. You just have to suspend, like we said it before, yeah. your 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 reasoning, and just sit and enjoy it. The 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 part that holds up great, obviously, is the character arc of Kevin. Mm-hmm. You know, being the little jerk you call. He said in the beginning, um, you know, being scared to be home alone, enjoying it, yeah. then missing that whole reconciliation side of uh, what makes a good Christmas movie. And, you know, the relationship between him and Mr. Marley is is phenomenal, too. Um, yeah, it's short. I, it's, it's short, yeah. but it's, 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 it, 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 it it's strikes the, a good note. Yeah, it's what the movie needs at, it, at yeah. the right time. Yeah, for both of them. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, 100% for me. Yes, yeah. this movie still holds up. Uh, I think this movie is a, is a great Christmas movie. We obviously talked about ranking it if it would still be, you know, in my top 10. If the movie's yeah. in my top 10, yeah, it's still, in my opinion, it should still hold up. Um, my two oldest kids have seen it. I don't think my three-year-old would even watch it right yeah. now because it's not cartoons, so yeah. I don't think he really cares. Or Star Wars. <laughs> he loves Star Wars. But yeah, the movie still holds up all the way through. What I want my kids to get from this movie is to, to have the same feeling I had when I saw it, which was, I am a kid. I feel like I can take care of myself no matter what happens. And I like that feeling, whether it's right or wrong, depending on what situation, I don't want my kids thinking that they can, you know, we don't need to call, we don't need to call the police if someone's trying to break (laughs) in because I can just set up this, you know, flamethrower really quick. (laughs) Oh yeah. Where are we getting a flamethrower at the house? You should probably think about that one when we're going over stuff that's like anything, anything random things. What are they doing in the house they need a flamethrower for? Anyways, that's for another time, I guess. Yeah. I think we both agree. The movie still holds up. Oh, for sure. Everybody, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Still Holds Up, a Rot Your Brain podcast. Subscribe to the Still Holds Up podcast feed at rotyourbrainmedia.com slash stillholdsup. Follow us on Twitter at rot underscore your brain and support Rot Your Brain Media and its podcast by being a part of this exciting new and growing community. Visit patreon.com slash 
Rot Your Brain Media.